Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wedding Photo Podcast. This is episode 43. Uh, We've got so many things going on right now. We have uh, a bunch of engagement shoots that we have lined up, and we have some random uh, other little photo sessions that that we're kind of busy with. And we're in the bit in the middle of moving right now too. We got a new place and we're doing some renovations. So that with the shoots and keeping up with all of Gabriel's activities and all the things that we have to do during the week. Um, I it makes it challenging to also keep up on the podcast. So uh but you guys, all the listeners, you guys are so great, you're so patient with everything. Um and I just want to say thank you for coming on and supporting the podcast. Um, I will keep recording. I've got a ton of guests lined up, and they're all going to be really fun. Um, and today's guest is no exception. But before I get to that, I just wanted to remind you, if you guys are enjoying this podcast and you guys like what you're hearing and you want to support this podcast, you guys can scroll down to the bottom and leave me a review and leave me a five-star rating. That helps the podcast grow. That helps uh, it become more discoverable for others to find. And if you want to reach out to me on the podcast, uh, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Wedding Photo Podcast. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at Del Toro Photo. And now you can go join our Facebook group with a growing community of photographers and entrepreneurs just like yourself, where we have discussions on different topics with photography, wedding photography, cameras, gear talk. Uh, We bring up all kinds of topics on there and have discussions. And uh, sometimes I bring those topics onto the podcast as well. So uh, feel free to reach out to me if you guys have any questions and join our Facebook group uh, to join some of the discussions that we're having over there. On today's episode, we have Heidi Thompson. Heidi Thompson is a business strategist. She helps uh, wedding professionals grow their business. And this episode is just about that business. It's all business. So uh, you guys are in for a treat. I had a really awesome discussion with her about all different topics revolved around business. We talked about um, different ways you can grow your business. We talked about finances and advertising. We talked about how businesses thrive, why businesses fail. Um, Like I said, it was a really good episode, so I hope you guys enjoy it. And without any further ado, I present to you Heidi Thompson. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk to me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, just to get started here, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do uh, with your business? Yeah, so the way I describe what I do is usually I help wedding professionals grow their businesses without going crazy yeah. in the process. That's my container for everything that I do. And I, I work with a lot of different types of wedding professionals. Um, my top two groups of people that I wind up working with are photographers and planners. Mm -hmm. And my focus is really both on marketing 
as well as growth in general. So it's more than just getting more clients. It's about, um, you know, streamlining your business. It's about the operation side. You know, what can we get off your plate so you can actually have a business that allows you to, I don't know, maybe have a life. Yeah. Sometimes that'd be kind of nice. <laughs> I can totally so agree that, with that. <laughs> yeah, that's my focus over at Evolve Your Wedding Business. Nice. Okay. And um, how did you get into into this line of business? Good question. Long story. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess it really goes back to when I was in college. I didn't study marketing. I got into marketing inadvertently through uh, doing some volunteer work with a local nonprofit in my college town. And that involved running and organizing some fundraising and volunteer events. And I absolutely fell in love with this whole logistical event planning and organizing as well as the marketing. Um, But what I thought I was really into was the event planning side. So I pursued that. I worked as a wedding planner. Um, I love what wedding planners do, but it's not really my jam. I did it for a little while. I wouldn't change that, but it isn't what I wanted to do forever. I give them a lot of credit because it's it's pretty overwhelming what they have to deal with. (laughs) They really are. (laughs) And um, so at this point, I had moved from, I grew up near Detroit. I had moved to the UK where my husband is from. And I find myself working in marketing because I come to realize at this point that, okay, it really wasn't the event stuff that I loved. I like it, but what I really love is the marketing and like the psychology behind it and what gets people to make the decisions that they make around, you know, what they buy. So I worked in marketing for, oh man, a bed company, um, Cambridge University, a software company, a literal poop company, a fecal (laughs) transplant company. I did read that, (laughs) that you used to sell poop. (laughs) Super fascinating stuff too, because if you have like all sorts of digestive issues, sometimes a poop transplant fixes it, which is crazy bacteria is nuts. Um, so yeah, I was into marketing. I loved all these different jobs I got to work in and the entire time I'm keeping an eye on the wedding industry because I really like it. I really love this industry. I think it's really unique. And I noticed because I'm a marketer that there was a big gap in the market between what the media and wedding fairs were putting out, which was very like, like your classic Cinderella kind of thing and what people were actually doing and actively seeking out. And that was more like your offbeat bride, your rock and roll bride, something much more personal and tuned into who you are as a person. So I started a wedding fair over there that brought together really insanely unique, creative vendors with these couples who wanted something very different. And that's where I found myself really spending a ton of time coaching my exhibitors, the vendors at the event, to 
get a better return on their investment. And that's when it really smacked me in the face that not everybody just likes marketing yeah. and studies this kind of thing. And that's so how that, you found like this little niche, like yeah. for your business. Yeah. Yeah. I got to bring, you know, both of those worlds together because, you know, I have this, this real focus on, you know, like marketing and business and that's lacking for a lot of people in the wedding yeah. industry. So I found that I had a way that I could help people in these insanely creative businesses that if, you know, they were paid purely based on how creative they were, they'd all be millionaires. Yeah. But that's not how it works. Yeah. You know, I've heard of like business strategists and, you know, marketing professionals, but I, I've never really met anybody that does this uh, specifically, you know, for like the wedding industry. So I think that's really cool because um, I talk about this all the time. There's, um, you know, and including myself, a, a lot of us don't necessarily have like a business background. You know, uh, we kind of come into this industry for the art. You know, we come in because yeah. we want to take pictures and, um, you know, growing up, like going to school and a lot of these things, like I never really learned about, you know, uh, making a business plan or uh, running your finances or paying taxes. Like you don't really hear about these things. So I hear it all the time from uh, some of my friends that are coming into the industry they start this business and then, you know, they don't know how to uh, email clients or they don't know how to manage their money because they never really had to think about these things. They thought, you know, this was just going to be taking photos and, and it was going to be that's it, you know. Yeah. And it's, you know, how do you get people to come to you, which mm -hmm. is such a huge problem to solve for in any business. And it's it's really interesting stuff to me because it is so rooted in psychology. Yeah. So, so you help people with their businesses. I got, uh, you know, one of my, one of the questions that I have for you, uh, it, you've seen a lot of businesses get, get started. So what are some of the mistakes that people make when they're first starting their business? Okay. Um, I would say probably lack of, I'm going to say as an umbrella, like a lack of strategy. So you're going at it, you're just going to open your doors and people are going to come to you. That the whole like build it and they will come thing doesn't work outside of like Wayne's World 2 and <laughs> <laughs> Field of Dreams. But, but what you can do to change that is really think about who you want to attract because you have to think about your business as like a magnet and you have to decide who it is that you want to bring to you. And a lot of people skip that. A lot of people think that either they don't think of doing it at all or they think that you can't do that in the beginning or they think that it's limiting in some ways, but it really is a way to be strategic because I mean, it's like taking a road trip and not even knowing what direction you want to go in. Yeah. I think having that strategy and, and it doesn't even, you know, at first it doesn't even need to be super fleshed out. Just yeah. knowing this is what I want to do. This is who I want to do it for. Um, and then that really helps you figure out how you can start to connect those dots. But if you don't have the dots to begin with to connect, then it's really impossible to even begin to connect them. 
Yeah, I feel like the same goals for uh, the same goes for like having goals because uh, maybe some you know, I know that there's uh, I, I, I like to set goals for the year for certain things, but I feel I still feel like I don't even set enough goals, you know, because there's so many different aspects of the business, and I feel like that that may fall kind of in line with that having a strategy and having something to kind of aim for too, right? Yeah, and I'm a big fan of 90 day planning as opposed to you know, trying to plan for your entire year, Mm -hmm. because with our types of businesses, like we're small, which allows us to be nimble. So if you see an opportunity and it makes sense, you know, you can jump on it and that might not be part of your plan. So then you have to rework the plan. But if you plan in 90 day increments, I find that it's a lot easier to stay nimble, but also stay focused on your goal and break it down to, so 90 days, three months, you know, what do I need to get done in months one, two, and three? Okay. What does that mean for each week in each of these months? And then you really have a roadmap that you can take action on as opposed to this amorphous goal of like, well, how the hell am I going to book this many people? Yeah. It isn't actionable in any way. Yeah, no, that's that's actually really great advice because you know I'm I'm still working on just planning out this week, so <laughs> you should yeah. expand that out a little bit more. Uh, so, uh, w- okay, when people are starting their business, then what are some of the things that they should be focusing on? Like I know you were talking about, you know, the a lack of strategy is is something that people don't really think about. But what other things should they be focusing on? I mean. I'm talking about first, first starting their business. Like they just decided they're going to be photographers. You know, what kind of things should they be looking at? Yeah. So I am a fan of the concepts behind the lean startup, which is a great book. Um, It's written about software companies, but it can be applied to any company. And the whole idea is that you don't, build a whole, you know, piece of software and then say, all right, who wants this? You start from the point of what problems do people have that they want solved? You know, what is it like how I found the gap in the market that I went after? I saw that there were these people who wanted something and nobody was serving them. Yeah. So you know, who else is going to do it but me? I may as well step up and do that. If you can find for yourself, okay, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, maybe the style I want to do. These are the kinds of people I want to work with. And all this can change. I think a lot of fear comes from, you know, this is set in stone. And it's like, no, you can change this at any point. It's your business. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. So really, you know, deciding on those things for yourself and then immediately going into what's called validation. So in the Lean Startup methodology, it's you validate your hypothesis. So my hypothesis for that wedding fair was these people aren't being served over here who want this, who want this kind of wedding. And these vendors over here are not connecting you know, as much as they could yeah. with these potential clients, I wonder if they would pay to take part in this event that I put together. Yeah. So that's a test, a test for a photography business. You know, you don't, I think a lot of people go into, you know, having a, have a fully fleshed out brand and website at first. And 
those things are important, but they can also really hold you back. The most important thing is that you start testing your hypothesis. You know, you start getting people that you can work with. And maybe that's through your existing network. Maybe that's through, you know, people you know or friends of friends or, you know, anyone you can find to initially work with to test that hypothesis. Hell, maybe you've never even shot a wedding before. Maybe you're going to hate it. You really want to test this mm-hmm. stuff before yeah. you throw, you know, a ton of money into a website and brand design. Of course, you do really want to have an idea of who you're going for because that gives you a compass to really navigate by. But I would look for the easiest route to validation, which is, you know, will somebody pay for this? And even in the beginning, it might not even be that someone's going to pay for this. Maybe you're going to do one for free. Maybe you're going to uh, shoot as an assistant to someone that you know. But that is your way of dipping your toe in, testing the waters, getting the information you need, starting to see, oh, okay, I like these kinds of clients more than these kinds of clients. So I'm going to build my business around serving them so I can really zoom in on who they are and what they want. I have a really great example of this too. I I just recently had uh, one of my best friends on Gustavo. He lives in El Paso and he's uh, he wanted to try out the wedding industry. He actually booked through some friends. He booked a video uh, filming a wedding and he booked a uh, uh, doing photo at a wedding separately. Um, and he, you know, did them for really, really cheap just because he really wanted to just try it out and see if this was something that he wanted to do. Uh, and he found out by, you know, like this, like by testing it out, he found out that he actually liked going to the weddings and shooting them. And he also found out that he actually enjoyed doing video for a wedding more than he did for photos. So like he kind of figured out which direction he wants to go in and he hasn't started a website or anything for it. He just kind of went and tested the waters to see if this was something that uh, he was interested in doing. That's a perfect Mm -hmm. Example, that's a great way to do it. And that's the thing is like he would have never known that had he not given himself the opportunity to experiment. And I mean, my approach to business is very much that of you have to have the mindset of a scientist or you're going to be miserable. So (laughs) you are going to always be running experiments. You're always testing things that you think might work. And sometimes that experiment blows up and it blows up the lab. (laughs) But hey, now you know that that doesn't work. And if you can keep that kind of mindset, it can really help you from internalizing that it's, you know, something about you as a person that you're a failure in some sort of way. Like, no, it's just that experiment didn't go well. I won't do that again. So, so why do, uh, what are some of the reasons businesses fail? There's a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so a lot of times I find an inability to adapt an inability to stick to it, um, and to do both at the same time. So to stick to it and to realize that, you know, it may not take off for you right away. 
and that's okay. And, you know, not setting yourself up for disappointment where like, well, if this doesn't work immediately, I'm just going to quit because I mean, chances are it's probably not going to with that too, uh, being able to adapt. So realizing that you like doing something better, realizing that the ideal client that you're targeting wants something different, realizing an opportunity that you could jump on, you know, a market that isn't being served, a type of client that you really want to focus on. If you're really, if you're married to a particular way of your business running, it's going to be more difficult. Now, I'm not saying you should do things that you hate, and I'm not saying that you should adapt in ways that create a business that you don't want to be a part of. You should absolutely adapt in ways that you do want to adapt in, but you have to be open to that and Mm -hmm. open to the fact that there will be changes, there will be pivots, there will be a time where you decide, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm going to do this other thing, you know, within the same business, but you're just going to change, you know, the kind of service that you offer. Um, A lot of failed businesses, so I would say that's like the root. And then there can be a lot of issues when people don't know who they're targeting. They're trying to target everybody. That's a great way to go out of business because <laughs> I mean, not even, you know, Apple can do that. There are people who hate Apple products and there always will be. And people who just won't pay for them. And that's fine. You know, they're still the most profitable company yeah. in the world. Doesn't no, you know, no sweat off their back. But um, so not deciding on that. Because that really gives you grounding. That really gives you direction in what you need to do to move forward. So in the realm of like moving forward, kind of what I was talking about, about, you know, breaking down what are the most important things for you to do to move forward. uh, I think some people can really get in their own way in you know, I do this sometimes too, where you know there's something really important you need to do to move yourself forward. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's, you know, sending off a proposal, but you just avoid it like the plague. That is a really good way to lose business. And I would say, you know, another big way is not managing your finances in a way that makes sense. So, what I mean by that is there are a lot of different aspects of your finances and business. One of them is pricing. And if, you know, if you haven't run the numbers on your pricing, if you just copied your pricing from somebody else, you may be paying yourself less than minimum wage yeah. per hour. Um, if you aren't, you know, paying your taxes or accounting for that, if you aren't, you know, separating business expenses, or if you're just going around like buying every course you see because you think it's magically going to make you better. Uh, Yeah, you have to invest in your business and in in yourself and in your education, but you do have to, you know, manage your finances in, you know, similar way to how you would manage your personal finances. So that's where, like, uh, coming up with a strategy kind of falls into that being really important in the beginning because you have to kind of set set yourself up to succeed later on. You got to kind of plan ahead and know how much money you might be planning to be bringing in. And then like you said, managing it and, you know, uh, separating it 
correctly. So you're you're actually making money rather than spending it all. Right. And, you know, knowing what you're working toward, who you're working toward bringing you in, bringing in that can help you really prioritize the things that you're going to spend money on. Like maybe it's totally worth it to spend money on a wedding fair that targets this specific type of client you're going for in your area. Whereas, you know, maybe running Facebook ads when you don't have like a fully fleshed out, you know, sales funnel, that could probably wait. Let's focus on the things that are actually going to, you know, move you forward. It all comes back to really having your eye on the prize and knowing what that is and making sure that you are taking steps to move toward it. And sometimes that means, you know, doing the harder things. Sometimes that means doing stuff that isn't even that hard, but that you put off. Yeah. It is completely the case a lot of the time for plenty of people. Oh yeah. Procrastination is a true killer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is. Um, so I wanted to ask you what, um, how much, or I guess how would it say, is it expensive to start your own business? Uh, it can be, yeah. I would say. Um, I think it's probably cheaper now than it has been Yeah, because we all don't have to have brick and mortar. You know, we don't have to have a storefront. Yeah. But I think really budgeting for that is important and keeping in mind that you know if you're bootstrapping your business if you're paying for it yourself if if that's coming out of your day job really thinking about okay how much can i afford to put toward that and what does that need to go to you know it all comes down to intentionality Mm -hmm. you know you're not just throwing money at your business and hoping that it works you're doing it in an intentional way and i'm a big fan of you know being your own funder of having a day job while you're trying to launch a business because a lot of times when you try to just, you know, I'm going to quit my job and start this business. Okay. Now you have no income. You have no way to invest in ways that you can kind of fast track your business. You are starting to, after a while, reek of desperation from the people (laughs) that you're trying to book. And that absolutely comes across (laughs) and it's a lot of unnecessary stress yeah i feel like that's a a line we're always walking on like trying to remain professional but really wanting to book that shoot next week you know yeah (laughs) how do we get past the fear of going full-time you mentioned making you know working a a day job and then working your way into uh full-time i guess in my case like photographer how do we get past that fear of going full-time and making that jump i mean everybody is different and everybody has different risk tolerances and different financial situations I am a proponent of building your business on the side while you also have the stability of your job. And maybe then that comes to, you know, maybe you can scale back at your job. Maybe you can go part time or maybe there's another job you can get where you can go part time. You know, that is the only job in the world, Uh, which that requires, you know, a lot of discipline and structure to be able to do that. And I had a. I actually published a podcast episode about this recently. I had someone on and we talked about, you know, building your business as a side hustle. And with that, you know, I think comes 
the added financial security, it, you know, you have the luxury to test different things to figure out what it is that you want because you're trying to figure out what you, you want long term. You know, you're not trying to figure out what's going to feed you tomorrow, which can lead you down a route that you don't want to be doing for the long term, which means you have to, you know, redo a lot of things in your business. So I'm a big fan of that. And, and I'm a fan of building in a comfortable cushion for yourself. Mm-hmm. I think emergency funds are really important, both in personal finance and business. Just so let's say, you know, you're getting ready to quit your job, building up. Okay, I'm going to build up, say, three months, six months, whatever it is of expenses for myself, not just for the business, for everything. So that I can rest assured knowing that if I don't book that client today, like I'm not going to have a meltdown, you know, there isn't as much emotion and survival attached to it. So I think the more you can remove that emotion and that like survival, the desperation, the better. And I like the path of stepping into your business and, you know, that certainly doesn't mean that you're not a professional at what you're doing. Yeah. You absolutely are. You're still delivering, you know, a product that is at a caliber that this person couldn't do themselves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of bootstrapping it yourself and stepping into it in a way that feels comfortable for yeah. you. And sometimes we have to push ourselves outside our comfort zone and that's normal and that's healthy unless the way you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone is I'm going to quit my job today and go into a bunch of debt. That yeah. might not be the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think creating that safety net uh, would definitely relieve a lot of the stress of, you know, just making that jump and, you know, maybe not even knowing exactly what you're doing too. Yeah. And you know, you can go get another job. That's okay too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you are you out here in California or are you in UK? I'm in San Diego. You're in San Diego. Okay. So we live in a pretty competitive environment down here. Mm-hmm. How do you thrive in a competitive environment? I feel differentiation. like differentiation. Wedding- Hands down, differentiation. Yeah. So when you are in a crowded market, you cannot compete by being a photographer because there's five million yeah. photographers. You have to compete. I'm trying to put yourself in a category of one where you're the only person or you are of a small subset. So it's really asking yourself, who do you want to be the go-to person for and building your differentiation around that? So let's say you wanted to be the go-to photographer in your area for tattooed couples who really wanted to show that off in their photos and like they take great pride in this and they you know balk at the idea of covering up their tattoos for their photos if you were to build your business around those people you would become such a beacon for them you would bring people in from all over and you're going to bring people in who may not fit that exact profile but just really like that look, really like that type of creativity. So that helps you set yourself apart so that 
it's not just an apples to apples comparison between photographers. It's there are these photographers who, you know, shoot anybody and everybody. And there's this photographer who I feel like really gets me and really specializes in working with people like me. So having a, a reputation for like a specific style or maybe some specific things that you do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, really asking yourself, what is it that you want to be known for? And who do you want to be known for serving? Yeah. Like specifically, because people get into this and they'll say, well, I want to serve brides. That's not an answer. That's way too vague. That's literally anyone. Yeah. I want to get more into like, who do you want to serve as a person are you um so a friend of mine uh who is an officiant in southern california she has a couple different groups of ideal clients that she really targets and one of them is this like really nerdy geeky crowd of people like your comic-con types and they absolutely love that they can gravitate to her based on that that's also her personality mm -hmm. that's you know something that she becomes a beacon for also for you know, bringing together uh, couples who aren't really religious. They just want something really, really personalized. And they're into, you know, the emotion and the, the personalization of their ceremony. She absolutely stands out because she talks about that a lot. Yeah. You know, she talks about how she crafts these ceremonies based on who these two people are, not just, okay, here's my template ceremony I'm going to perform. Oh, that's really good, especially today. And, you know, I feel like uh, lots of brides are breaking away from like traditional ceremonies and, and wanting to do something different. So I'm sure she's really thriving in that, on that, on that end of it. Oh yeah. And you know, when I was at wedding MBA, I met an officiant in, I think he's in the Vancouver area and he does these like extreme outdoor elopements. And like if you're going to work with him, you're going to go up on a mountain in a helicopter. That's just <laughs> – those are his people. But he can charge a premium because he's like the only person yeah. doing this. Yeah. And he's the go-to person for them as well as, you know, people who kind of wish they were a little more like those people. Yeah. I'm writing all these notes down. These are so great. <laughs> <laughs> So much great stuff. Um, let's talk about advertising a little bit. Okay. Um, with all these different places for people to advertise, how do we know what's the best way to advertise for our business? I mean, there's, you know, social media. media. We have uh, Instagram, Facebook, Google. Like, um, how do we know which direction to go in? So part of it comes down to your ideal client, you know. I get people who ask me all the time, you know, should I pay to advertise on Wedding Wire? And it's like, well, I don't know. Have you ever booked a wedding off of Wedding Wire? No. Well, then maybe your people aren't on Wedding Wire. Yeah. And it's okay to experiment. You know, it's okay to test these things and see if your people are there. Um, I'd highly recommend if you've worked with anyone asking them a lot of questions about where they looked and where they found you and where they're active because if they're all, you know, really active on Instagram, okay, that points you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But what I will say, especially about like pay-per-click advertising, which is like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Google click, Google uh, AdWords, it really 
amplifies what's already in place. So if you are not converting leads off of your website, let's say, running ads isn't going to help because there's a problem with the website. Yeah. It's just going to dump a bunch of people on your website and it's going your website's going to continue to not convert people. Mm-hmm. So I would say with especially social media advertising, keeping in mind that it, it amplifies what's already there. And you really have to think about that and think about the path that you want to take people through. You know, are you going to um, run a video ad and then if people watch halfway through the video, then you serve them up an ad that leads them to a page on their website where you can get on the person's email list or something like that. But you have to be intentional with these kinds of advertising because they can get really unruly cost-wise otherwise. And they don't make you be intentional. You know, you can just run an ad. But, I mean, the chances of it actually doing something for you unless you're being very clear in your own mind about, okay, they're going to see this ad and then they're going to do this and then they're going to do this and then they're going to do this. Great. I have a hypothesis that I can go test. That's fine. Test that. See if it works. And then troubleshoot where it didn't work because you can see, did they make it to the page? Did they make it to the next step after that? Um, But I would be careful at looking at advertising as like a a magic pill. I think a lot of people see it that way. But it really only amplifies what's already there. It just takes what you already have and puts it in front of a bigger audience, which if it's not working in any way, with the audience that you already have, it's probably not going to work with ads. If it is, great. Well, then you know, say this percent of people who come to my website fill out this form and then this percent of them turn into clients. Great. Well, we can put that process to the test with an ad and see, you know, does that percentage go up? Does it go down? Then that tells you if it's worth it for you. Yeah. So you... You mentioned uh, being intentional with the way that you do things and, you know, maybe when it comes to like advertising, you know, advertising towards your ideal client. Um, In a business like ours, sometimes we don't know if things are working for months, sometimes a year. Um, What's a good way to look at like analytics and trends or finding your demographic or or knowing what works for your business, you know, even before you, you do advertise or decide to advertise? That's a good question. And it's a constant pursuit really of figuring out what works because it, it may change over time. So, I mean, you have Google analytics you can turn to, which is a great source of information. that's going to tell you where your traffic's coming from. You can set it up so that uh, when they fill out your form, that's tracked. So you can, you know, look back that maybe people who came to you through Pinterest are much more likely to fill out your inquiry form yeah. than people who came to you from Facebook. Uh, I am a huge fan of interviewing your best clients. I wrote a whole book about it. I'm like crazy adamant about this, that if you have anyone that you have worked with that you wish you could clone and work with over and over and over again. It is such an untapped 
gold mine of marketing information to talk to these people, you know, to ask them where they looked, where, uh, who else they looked at, what made them choose you over someone else. And a lot of times when you ask that question, it may be something that you don't even realize about yourself that you can bring out more in your marketing. So to make something that's already working, work even more for you. But by figuring out those lead sources, both in terms of, you know, the digital tracking tools we have like Google Analytics and manual ways of asking and then tracking that, Mm -hmm. you really want to keep an eye on what it is that people are saying to you. Because it makes a lot more sense. Let's say, you know, you have 10 hours to spend on marketing your business and you have five different places you could do it. Well, you could split that time, you know, two hours in each. Or if you know one of those places is generating 80% of your leads, you spend nine hours in that place Mm -hmm. and one hour in the other place. And that, that does happen with time. That is a continual optimization of, okay, what's working? How can I do more of that? How can I do, you know, more of that in different ways? Maybe I could take it and adapt it in some way. But The digital tools like Google Analytics are going to give you a good starting point, but it's certainly no substitute for asking. Yeah, straight from your clients, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they'll tell you, you know, they will tell you what they looked for. They'll tell you where they look. They'll tell you, do they read any of the local bridal magazines? Do they read any blogs? Well, great. Now, you know, advertising on blogs isn't a good option for reaching these people. Yeah. It just narrows down the set of things to test because it can is continually about, you know, experimenting and testing and seeing what works. Uh, but once you have that data, really leveraging that as much as you possibly can. You know, there's so much information online, you know, today, like your podcast, this podcast, uh, other uh, podcasts on, on running a small businesses and entrepreneurship. Uh what can photographers or other entrepreneurs expect when when they're hiring you? So working with me, um, when people work with me, they come to me. I have a membership community called the Wedding Business Collective, and that's where I've put together all of my things. So before I was doing it where you know, I had one-on-one coaching with people, I had group coaching, and I had my courses. Well... The people in the one-on-one needed the courses. The people in the courses need the coaching. So I just brought it all together into this one home where I have, you know, a library of courses on a ton of different topics and business and marketing. Uh, We have group coaching. There's an option for one-on-one coaching. It's uh, really a way to come in and get what you need in like a choose-your-own-adventure sort of way. But in a way that is, you know, supported. So we've been we've been running our business for some time now. Let's say we we hired you to consult us, and now we're bringing in the big cheese. We're making some money. Where, where do we go from there? Where do we? What do we do when we start seeing some success? So definitely doing more of what's working and less of what's <laughs> not. Over and over and over and over. It's that you know the eighty twenty rule. of your results come from 20% of your efforts. 
So that's true if you run that one time and then you get a new set of results out. Well, 80% of those results came from 20% of your efforts and you just try to hone that as much as you possibly can Mm -hmm. so that you're getting the most that you possibly can out of what's already working for you. Um, On top of that, I, I just published a course actually last week on outsourcing in the Wedding Business Collective because there definitely comes a point where you've just got too much on your plate. And that doesn't even have to be a point where, you know, you're making a ton of money. You know, there are ways to get help and to delegate tasks that just aren't worth the time of the CEO of the business to someone who can take those on for you for a lower cost. And that's the thing. I won't get too into it with outsourcing, but opportunity cost is a thing. You know, doing everything yourself is not free. Your time is worth a certain amount of money. And when you are using your time to do a $10 an hour task, you're missing out on all of the various things you could be doing that are worth like a thousand dollars an hour for your business. Yeah. And outsourcing, I can see it being a very important thing if, if you want to continue to expand your business and grow, you know, uh, down the line. Yeah. That's, you know, there's one way to take it would be, you know, you add on photographers and you build this larger business. Another way to do it would be, You're the only photographer, but you are handing off all of the admin type tasks, maybe even some of the marketing tasks to like a virtual assistant who can help you with that so that you can focus on the things that only you can do. Yeah, I think and especially if like like you said, like if uh, if someone's really not that great on the business side, there's people like you that can that can help them with that. So Absolutely. they don't have to focus on it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so we just started the new year. Happy new year, by the way. I feel like I can still say that cause we're still in January. <laughs> it counts, right? <laughs> so happy new year. Happy uh, new year. I, I feel like, uh, people are still working on, hopefully people are still working on the resolutions. I know I'm, I'm pumped for this year. Um, I, I set out a bunch of goals and a bunch of resolutions for, for my business this year. How, how can we keep that momentum going? Like when, you, especially like if you're just getting started in your business, you know, you're excited to, to move forward with everything. How do you keep that momentum going? So I actually, I'm just looking over at the planner that I'm currently using. I thought I'd give this a try and see how it worked. And I'm in love with it. It's called the 90 X goal planner. And what it takes you through on a daily basis is what are the five actions toward your goals that you're going to take today? What are the other things that you need to follow up on? It has you rewriting your goals once a week, rewriting the actions you're going to take to get to your goals. So it keeps you really focused. And I've caught myself wanting to write down things in the area for the actions to take toward your goals. That are just like things I have to do because I want to be able to cross them off. But (laughs) that it's like, nope, nope, nope. This is not moving me closer to my goal. So what can I do that will? And I really think it's that renewed commitment on a daily basis of, okay, I did that. What's the next step? On top of that, 
I find a lot of success both with myself and my clients doing regular check-ins with myself. So a really important one for me is a weekly CEO date with yourself. So looking at what did you do this week? What did you plan to do this week? What went well? What didn't? What could you change for the next week? Because this allows you to really nip something in the butt early if it's derailing you. Yeah. So by doing that, you also take stock of everything that you did this week, which, you know, makes you pretty proud of yourself too. And then once a month, I really sit down and look at, okay, what are my goals? What are my 90 day goals? And what do I need to get done this month? And I'm going to break that down into bite-sized chunks because I have absolutely been the person who sets a goal, writes it down on a piece of paper, puts it in a drawer, and then comes upon it like two years later. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to do that, wasn't I? Oh, okay. <laughs> it didn't work. So. so I found it definitely has to be built in with, you know, just this little bit of structure, you know, these things that you write down each day, this, this little check-in with yourself each week, you yeah. know, each month planning out what does the next month look like and really taking stock of what you've accomplished. Because if you focus too much on all the things left on the to-do list, it can feel disheartening. Yeah. But if you focus on all the things that you did, you get excited and you yeah. see your progress and that pushes you to keep going. That's so true. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, so one of the things that I do at the beginning of the year to get myself pumped is I read a ton of like motivational books or books on like building your business. Do you have any recommendations? I know you uh, talked about uh, the lean startup was one of them, but do you have any other recommendations that you would you would throw out there? Ooh, that's a good question. Besides your book as well? <laughs> right. What? Well, obviously read my book, guys. <laughs> what's, what's the name of your book? It's called Clone Your Best Clients. I uh, I have it. Um, last night I went and I just threw it into my uh, Amazon. Uh, what's it called? The Amazon cart. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm ordering it. I want to check it out. Awesome. You have to let me know how you like it. Oh, it's I very will. practical. I like to be very, you know, brass tacks about things i'm looking forward Uh, to reading it yeah go ahead sorry oh i was gonna say um a really good book i know you mentioned finances and that side of things Mm -hmm. a really good book on that side of things is called profit first and it if you've ever done like your own bookkeeping it's usually you know like revenue minus expenses equals profit this flips it so that you are planning for your profit before anything else which means you actually take your profit nice i like that and then um i i actually just did an interview earlier today with an author i love her book uh it's called mindset switch and it's all about you know limiting beliefs and the way that like we think forms what we do, which then forms our reality. But what I really liked about this is I've never been able to get hugely on board with many authors who talk about mindset or money mindset because they're too up in the air and she's very grounded. Like she ties everything 
that she's presenting into like very practical, tactical things that you can go do and implement this so that you are feeding a mindset that can create, you know, a more profitable, more successful business. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. I'm uh, I'm like searching them right now, (laughs) both of these. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to read these. They're both great. Heidi, you've given us so much great advice on starting and running your own business. This stuff is really great. Like I, I couldn't, I could barely keep up. I'm gonna have to go back and, and <laughs> take notes all over again. Uh, where can people find you? Where you know your website, Instagram, your podcast. Where can people find you online? Yeah, so my main home online is at evolveyourweddingbusiness.com, where you can find the blog, you can find the podcast, you can find how we can work together through the Wedding Business Collective. Um, on Instagram, I am Evolve Your Wedding Business. And the book, if you'd like to pick it up, is called Clone Your Best Clients. And you can get to that via evolveyourweddingbusiness.com slash clone. Nice. Awesome. Well, Heidi, I want to thank you again for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate you spending your time uh, today talking with me. Thanks for having me. There you go, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Podcast. Remember to subscribe, uh, leave me a review, leave me a five-star rating. The five-star rating helps other um, helps other listeners find the podcast, makes the podcast more discoverable. Uh, so if you want to support the podcast, just make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave me a five-star rating. If you guys want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram at Wedding Photo Podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at Del Toro Photo. And now you can join our Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Uh, So scroll down there and make sure you check all those out. And we will see you on the next one.